1: Heyo, welcome to the CHO White Sox podcast, coming to you live from a bunch of different places all across the beautiful United States of America. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Alongside me uh, is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him at wall 23 uh, And Herb, not to, I mean, it was your birthday yesterday, so it was more important, or I guess two days ago. Oh no, no, y- y- yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you were very important yesterday, but Vinny... Uh, our CHGO White Sox beat writer takes the biggest precedence. He now has palm trees behind us, so uh, something's happening. I guess it's the off season. Vinny is live from Scottsdale, Arizona, at the general managers' meetings, and just got done with an hour-long press conference with new White Sox general manager Chris Getz. uh We're gonna be very excited to talk to Vinny uh, again. Follow him at Vinny Duber. Uh, but why waste any time? Uh, let's hear from Chris gets immediately, and then we'll. Pester Vinny for questions for about you know 58 minutes or so and leave them in the chat as well Uh, excited to hear from all of you but here let's hear from uh, Chris Getz and uh, Vinny with the question so take it away
2: Vinny. You mentioned you know the holes that you guys got to fill also the direction you guys are going in what direction is that and are you approaching this offseason with an intent with the intent of you know competing in the AL Central next year?
0: Well you know it's it's piece by piece it really is um and you know, I'm set, to, I'm set out to, to really improve our, our defensive play. We'll allow our pitchers to attack the zone and be more efficient. Um, I do believe that we need to, to become more athletic. Um, you, know, on, on just, you know, that speaks to the, the improved defense, we hope. Um, and obviously running the bases and, and taking extra bases, those types of things. Um, you know, the style of play, we're looking for players that understand what it takes to, 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 to be on a winning ball club and that comes to, that, that, that starts with their approach to the day to day basis, um, being in the right place at the right time, um, you know, on the field and you know, more or less being some baseball players that are going out there working together and competing. Um, we've got a talented group. There's no question. I don't like our team um and we've got to make some adjustments so we improve for 2024. you don't like your team you said so with that in mind uh where do you with that philosophy where, where do you begin i mean do you have any untouchables like uh see some robber yeah it, when i say you know, i don't like our team we've got pieces that are, are are talented and they're attractive um and they can be part of a winning club but obviously we haven't been able to go out there and perform it's not it's not a well-rounded club right now and so We've got to find players to come in here to help get us in the right direction, um, and if that means that we use some of the players we have on our club to multiply and and not only help us in the near term, uh, but also uh, in the long term as well. So, um, you know, I, I it's really, it's going to take time this off season to, to build out this roster, um, but that's why we're here. You know, at the the winter meet or the the GM meetings here and. Having some good conversations with other clubs, and certainly our own group, as we set forward for uh, for our future here. Why untouchables
3: or not,
0: I mean, there are no untouchables.
1: So we've been oh, so we've been trying to figure out the White Sox direction all uh, since the season ended. Uh, was that the best insight into what Chris gets is looking forward to? There's no untouchables. The roster is kind of malleable, and they're trying to build people who know how to be a part of a winning ball club.
2: Yeah, it's the best storm we've gotten so far. Certainly, I don't know if we've still gotten that commitment. I mean, we haven't. He did not commit today to saying this team's going to compete for the AL Central in 2024, nor did he say the opposite. We're focused solely on competing in 2025. Uh, But this is clearly going to be somewhat of a longer-term proposition, not necessarily like what White Sox fans just watched Rick Hahn try to do for the last many years, but in terms of how much can they get done on their to-do list this winter if it's not everything then maybe the the, things get kicked to next winter and they've got to try to figure that out you just heard him in that very short clip you said we talked to him for an hour but in that short clip you heard him say you know how much he wants this team to change he wants the defense to improve he wants the athleticism to improve he knows that there are so many holes just positionally but also in the way that he wants this team to play he uh you know very much praised teams like the diamondbacks who played in a certain style, and also, uh, you know, took advantage of the new rules, allowing base running to be a little bit more, you know, uh, uh, fun, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, the in, in the past season, he I think he wants the White Sox to look like that. He wants the White Sox to play a very certain style. And right now, his biggest goal is not necessarily just, hey, I need to plug these spots on the field and make sure that this team is better than it was last year. It's organization-wide, establishing an identity of what I just described, a team that plays that, you know, I don't want to say that grinder style, but plays in a way that is kind of identifiable and different, very different from what you've seen this team be built to play the last few years.
3: Now, I know they're hesitant to use the words rebuild, retool, any of that stuff, but if I heard that clip right, he doesn't like the team that's currently constructed and he wants them to play better defense. And as I look at the uh, outs above average, I see only one person who is a outs above average guy that is on the positive side, and that is Luis Robert Jr. So to me, that sounds like he wants to rebuild this team. And I know what Jerry said at the other time, but I'm glad to hear that Chris sees what we see as White Sox fans. Did he go into specifics about, you know, rebuild, retool, any of those names, any of those words, because this seems with all the moves that he's made right right now up until this point and then what he said in that little clip that he's gearing to get this team better not necessarily next year but the year after and the year after that
2: i mean if we were to make our own takeaways herb i'd probably agree with you yeah it sure seems like this is going to be a winter in which the white Sox are not going to make any moves that do not benefit them for beyond 2024 um you know you might see a little you remember, you can remember the rebuild era and know the, uh, you know, the little one-year deals that they went and signed to guys to fill out rosters and stuff like that. But in terms of big, significant, substantial moves, it's going to be stuff that is long-term. I mean, listen, we're going to get into this, but I'll bring it up right now. Guys like Dylan Cease, guys like Aloy Jimenez, trading them is maybe not a priority, but it's on the table. If the White Sox can get back think something that benefits this team and addresses those needs that Chris identified, specifically when it comes to Dylan starting pitching, right? I mean, if he can turn one starting pitcher into two or three, you know, that that might be a way to go. But again, for the long term. I'm not saying that, you know. You know, they're just going to go to sleep for the next few months and, and wait until next winter. But the moves that you do see this winter are going to be ones, in my opinion, that very much benefit this team down the road for years to come. Not just, wow, we need to put a contending team out there the best we can right now for 2024, because I think the years that follow are going to be more important for this team.
1: Yeah, I, we got a super chat from Big Cram saying, uh, I am imagining things. Is he actually going through a rebuild? Uh, perhaps I've been too hasty. I, Jerry Reinsdorf again, uh, said uh, speed was a, of the essence, basically. Um, I, I think it's been a, a revamp, right? I mean, the biggest thing and the biggest question I have for you, you've mentioned two names, Aloy and Cease. What about Luis Robert? Because it seems like you had maybe a little bit more insight to what Chris Getz is thinking of if they trade Dylan Cease or Aloy Jimenez, but is he actually con- you know, contemplating trading Luis Robert Jr. off this team? Because if they're trading Luis Robert Jr. off this team, yeah, that's a rebuild. I mean, that's the biggest sign of a rebuild for the Chicago White Sox. Maybe he thinks he could thread the needle with Luis Robert Jr. on his team, and I don't hate that because they have a superstar on their team, which we saw in 2023. So do you think he's actually entertaining the Robert Jr. trade talk after the hour-long conversation you had?
2: I think those are two different questions, and I think number one, is he going out to try to trade Luis Robert Jr. to start a rebuild for this team? No. Do I think that he will listen if, if one of these other GMs comes to him and says, hey, got an interesting uh, proposal here for you that involves your best player, uh, and depending on what that return is, you can't you can't just say no to anything that comes across the board. You have to listen. That is the job of a GM, and I think that is one thing that fans – when they see these little reports all over the place, right? There's a disconnect, right? Oh my God, they're listening to offers on Luis Robert Jr. I can't believe it. They're listening to offers on Dylan Sees. That's his job. His job is to listen. And he can sit there and listen and nod his head politely. And and at the end of it, he doesn't like what he hears. He goes, ah, no, thank you. Not our our thing. But there's a chance that he is going to get blown away, right? There's a chance that the offer that, that is being discussed is something that sets this team up better for success down the road than it is currently set up right now. So, is he going is he is he going into this winter thinking I've got to trade this guy to set up a rebuild in the traditional sense? Absolutely not. Is he coming into this winter saying I'm going to listen to everything. I'm not taking anything off the table? That's right. He said so many times, over and over again, during that hour, we're open-minded, and uh, he and I and I, I truly believe that that's what every GM needs to be. So I, I don't necessarily see that as breaking news, but I do want to clarify that for folks because there is a world somewhere in the in the baseball multiverse. There's a world in which the offer is so good that you can't turn it down.
1: There's a multiverse where the White Sox have a parade too. And they're That's not true. trading
3: these players. Hey, I don't know. I'm an, sorry. In,
2: an infinite number of possibilities, Sean. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and just as a side, I don't even question. Just look like he was in those short clips I've seen. Much more comfortable this time talking to the assembled media. Maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's the atmosphere of uh, just a regular bunch of guys just talking and chilling in Arizona.
1: It's the shades. Come oh, on. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, I mean, look, when you
1: have these shades on, you got a little bit of purple on, you're untouchable.
3: Yeah, you look oh, all right. I'm
1: sorry. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to.
3: My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just step on your toes. I thought you were going to keep going. Oh, no, that was it. That was all I had to say. I am I just I'm glad that he has an open mind coming into this uh, first year of his offseason. So it's good that he understands what we understand, that this team is vastly uh, broken and that it needs to be fixed. And one offseason with all of the stuff that he has to do won't probably fix all the stuff that he needs to do. So I'm glad that he is recognizing what we see.
2: And, and, and I mean, we could start jumping into this, too. I mean, most of the positions on the field, it sure sounds like in the end, whether it's this offseason, next offseason, whatever, are going to be outside are going to be outside ads because I don't think there's enough certainty in the farm system past a certain couple of positions, shortstop being one of them with Colson Montgomery. And I think there's some promise in, in the White Sox mind, some promise in the starting pitching that they've got down there. But Everywhere else, right field, second base. Chris gets basically said there is not that obvious in-house candidate, and it sure strikes as something that they're going to look at both this winter and, and maybe in future winters to get from the outside, whether that's via free agent or trade. We don't know, but you're not. I don't think you're going to see Lenin Sosa starting at second base next year on opening day. It sure seems like the way that they are, the way that Chris gets was just talking those two positions specifically. Um, And then probably some on the pitching front as well uh, is going to have to come from outside the organization.
1: I I feel like I have to ask about the budget. So I'm going to do that first before I get into the coaching staff and maybe the, the outside ads and what that might mean. But did he bring up the budget at all? Was he asked about the budget? Did we get any estimate of what that might look like?
2: He was asked about the budget uh his answer was that there is no set number right now and that the idea is that it would be a case-by-case basis and sean i know that makes you mad because you want to play you want to play math this offseason and you want to add up who can go where how do we get to this final number i think that most teams especially at this very early stage of the offseason would say what chris Getz said today which is listen we have a we have a we might have a number that we want to spend or want to not go over but you don't know what opportunities are going to present themselves and so if they find themselves in a place where they didn't think they were going to find themselves in terms of a high-priced player let's say then why would why would they say ah oh, well we're only x amount of dollars away from that sorry bud we can't sign you kind of thing it, it's part of being open-minded and certainly it goes the other way too right maybe they want to go out and spend x amount of money on certain specific guys that might cost that much, but they miss out. That opportunity doesn't present themselves and they don't want to sit here having told you that they're going to spend $200 million when all they ended up having was the opportunity to spend much less.
1: I, I would like to know the number though. Like, you know, what's the number that they can approach, right? Like if if they can't spend 4 million more than X, like that's the number I want to know because I, I want to know the ceiling because I know the floor. I know the floor could be, let's trade Luis Robert Jr. Let's trade Dylan Cease, anybody who makes any money and we could just become the Oakland A's. Craig Council has signed the 11th biggest contract in white Sox free agent history, if we're putting them into the, uh, the signing books here. So, I mean, I understand how little the team could spend, but I, I do wonder what the, the ceiling is. Um, but it does seem, especially with the rumor of Paul DeJong, Paul, DeYoung, young, uh, possibly from Sox machine uh, possibly being of interest for the white Sox at shortstop. And then you see the first base coach of Jason Bourgeois. Uh, then you see Grady Sizemore becoming the, and I want to get this right. It's the major league coach. <laughs> Um, you also have uh, Drew Butera being added and, and Matt Wise. Um, but it does seem, especially with Grady Sizemore, that the focus might be, and all of the, the guys, all of these people that you see have major league experience, uh, Pedro Griffol or minor league experience, Griffol, Montoyo, Katz, Wise, Thames, Tozar, Bourgeois, Rodriguez, Butera, Sizemore. Uh, that's your 2024 White Sox coaching staff. It seems especially like if their ideas to be defensively sound, they are trying to set an example in 2024. This seems very much like what the Hawks are doing with Connor Bedard. Let's go set an example for him. The Blackhawks didn't have that awful of a showing in their last game or two games ago, uh, but there was still a players-only meeting, and Jay and Greg were like, what the hell? That's kind of weird. But the idea is if we see anything, we need to be accountable, and we need to call each other out. And going back to what Gett said, he wants uh, uh, people who understand what it takes to be a part of a winning ball club. That's like Corey Perry that's like Nick Felino of the Hawks I think that again Chris Getz is trying to set his example for what he wants his team to look like in 2024 I might disagree with it and I don't know if I fully see his picture um I, again I just kind of want to play around and see like are they actually going to sign somebody or is it you know threatening of Luis Robert Jr I feel like there is no stable ground of where the White Sox go after this hour-long conversation because it didn't seem like there was a really a, a, a I guess a promise to do anything specific besides get better
2: yeah but i think that they need to get a lot better you know what i mean like this a 101 lost team this is a a, a team that chris gets fully acknowledges has just a lot of problems it's just team a team that does not uh, approach uh, the 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 at-bats the way that he wants to see it it's a team that doesn't play defense the way he wants to see it and because of that the pitching is not the way he wants to see it i mean it's it's for lack of a better term, it's broken on basically every front. Right. And so if you're going to fix it, you can't just say, here you go. Here's uh, here's $150 million. Hopefully that fixes it. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that because, because those players, whoever you pay, they're not going to be here forever either. Right. I mean, and I think that if you are stepping into your first year as a GM with an opportunity to remake an organization that is broken, you that Chris gets his main objective is to establish an identity and establish something that can filter through to everybody, no matter who ends up signing, you know, signing a contract or coming up to the minor leagues or being acquired in a trade. They want them to play that style. They can go pick guys, you know, that they sign, they can go pick guys that they trade for. They need these minor leaguers to do the same thing. And at the end of the day, which might be years and years down the road, there is going to be this established identity that, maybe that is the foundation more than this guy and this guy and this guy, you know, it's that it's something a little less tangible.
1: Well, we were asked yesterday about what free agent would you want to sign from Anthony Shulo? And all three of us said, starting pitcher. I said, Montgomery, you said, I, I think, um, Herb, you say? You said, uh, I said, Herb said Snell. Uh, you said, who is it? Giolito. Giolito. Um, like, do they, do they have the capability to send, spend $70 million. It's it's more of when Chris gets says he wants the defense behind the pitchers to allow them to be more efficient. Like it's just more, are we looking for the Orioles strategy of let's go get workhorses that are just going to go eat up innings and are going to get a ton of ground balls. And we're going to have the best defense. So then we can convert outs, right? Like I'm just trying to figure out like if it is going to be, Oh, we can really flex on some stars here or maybe some actual, next level major league power like a lucas g leader like a montgomery uh maybe like a snell right or will it be mainly focused on guys who do their job the right way Right. Like, you know, maybe you're not trying to impress everybody uh, just like, you know, uh, Chris gets former teammate, Mark Burley, but he gets the job done. Right. I'm just trying to maybe figure out if the budget could give us a hint to the philosophy of what gets is trying to do, because um, it does seem like, again, they're just trying to be more professional. I don't know what gets saw from within the organization, Herb, um, but it, it does seem like he wants the White Sox to show up on time, put in the work. And uh, if you i listened to an interview with Grady Sizemore, and that's what he said, he loved committing to the work. So he's going to teach these guys, he's going to coach them how to be major leaguers. That's what the
3: major league coach does. I'm glad to hear that. But Vinny, I want to know too, like I know GM meetings, you usually meet up and discuss rules. Maybe you're going to maybe change and then set up some deals that you're going to do down the road at the winter meetings and beyond. But is there anything stated by Chris Getz in this hour long session that he wants to focus on are the priorities before they leave, I think on Thursday. And then the second thing, who else uh, company Chris gets? Is it just him or is it some of the new uh, front office people?
2: Yeah, I think most of the new front office brain trust is here. I saw, I walked past Josh Barfield. I know he's here. Um, I saw Jeremy Haber. I know he's here. Um, uh, Gene Watson was I was told was here as well. So, you know, it, that should come as no surprise. This is the, the GM meetings. This is where you kind of get these guys uh, uh, all, all in here to start the off season in earnest. Um, I don't think you usually this time of year, see, you know, the the deals or the moves kind of thing when you get them this early, certainly significant ones. It's a surprise. Right. Um, and so that doesn't mean things can't happen. I always go back to Yasmani Grandal. I believe that the most of the work for signing, that contract by the White Sox was done when they were here in Arizona for the GM meetings. Um, what was that, 2019? So, um, and and then you've got obviously these two these GMs talking to each other and setting up, having conversations that might lead to other conversations that might lead to this. So there's no strict schedule, right? I mean, two guys could walk up to each other and say. You like this trade? And they say, boy, do I. And they can work it out here, you know, in five minutes. But that's not usually how things happen. And so these conversations are just beginning now. And that's why you see things usually materialize later in the off season.
1: Uh, We're going to take a quick break. Herb is going to uh, boldly lead us into the break uh, today, and uh, I'm excited to answer some fan questions and and bug uh, of any more about Dylan Cease and Aloy Jimenez trades. Uh, Also, uh, talking about if Chris Getz is the same as Rick Hahn, because I know there was that comment that he's just... uh, uh, a dude in a Rick Han mask, uh, right? So uh, we'll see if he, he showed a little bit more different of a personality. And two, uh, to answer Victor Von Doom, Grady Sizemore is technically not retired. So maybe a new strategy from uh, Chris gets will be to employ player coaches. We will ask Vinny, if he addressed
3: that, he probably didn't Herb, take it away. Started eating hero bread because I have type two diabetes and didn't want to give up my favorite foods like sandwiches, wraps and quesadillas and hero bread has been great for me. And I'm sure you'll agree when you give it a try, if you need a new, low carb option to fit your lifestyle and dietary constraints. The founder of hero Bread, Cole glass baked 100 muffins per day before he found the perfect blend that fits into his allergy constraints. That's what pushed him to start hero bread. The taste and texture of hero bread tastes just like your favorite bread, your favorite tortilla. It's so delicious and fluffy. And one thing I like I usually make these wraps or burritos. You know how those burritos just sometimes don't close right. Hero Bread, when I fold it over, closes perfectly. Never have a, a problem with uh, any of the stuff staying inside of the Hero Bread. And Hero Bread makes sliced breads, buns, tortillas that are all available at hero.co and Amazon. But right now, Hero Bread is offering the CHGO fam 10% off their first order. Just go to hero.co and use our code CHGO to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. Thank you, Herb. We also want to let you know about our friends
1: over at Circa Sportsbook. And we mainly want to let you know about our event that's coming up on Thursday, November 9th. Circa Sports Illinois will be hosting a watch party for the Thursday night game uh, at Joe's on Wheat Street from 630 to 11 p.m. on November 9th. Brian erlocker will be there from six 30 to eight 30 PM meeting fans and taking pictures. And the Circa sports Illinois team will be there with limited edition merchandise, food deals, and more you could reserve at, uh, uh, circusports.com right now, uh, and Circus Sports is your home for place uh, of yeah is your home is your sports book uh, for the low hold model. Games will strive to be a minus one ten split on the Circus Sports menu. Unlike other sports books, which may use a minus one fifteen or minus one twenty split, Circa is very proud of their odds, and they want you and encourage you to compare lines from each sports book. And you will learn why the world's largest sports book always has the best odds for you the better, and the Circa customer service is unbeatable. They're, they have real people behind the Circa Sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion, unlike other books who use Chatbox and all other uh, and all aspects of the app are being run by the same team that runs the main Circus Sports at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. So download the Circus Sports Illinois app at circusportscom Illinois dash app. That's circusportscom Illinois dash app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties and tailgates. If you or someone you know might have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Text GMB-833-234 or visit dot. Calm. Okay, Vinny, uh, let's get into more chatter here. Um, let's focus in on cease. Did it? I mean, it's not really surprising that there is trade talk because, as you mentioned, this isn't the first time that Chris Getz said there's no untouchables, but it also seemed like there was some chatter around the trade deadline, even when Rick Hahn was in charge. Did you get more clarity of, I mean, probably not of what the socks are looking for, but maybe what it would take? Uh, from the Sox or maybe what they're looking for within younger pitchers? Uh, Did Chris Getz maybe define what Brian Bannister is trying to carve out within the pitchers that he's bringing into the White Sox organization?
2: Uh, I don't know if we went quite that deep on that front, but he was asked about a Dylan Cease, you know, kind of a Dylan Cease trade and, and if that is a possibility, and the possibility is there. But I think specifically when it comes to Cease, The need is so, so great at starting pitching already. And then if you get rid of Dylan Cease on top of it, it's only going to get greater. So I think the idea there would be, yes, you're going to need a big haul, you know, all the way, uh, you know, to whether it's a position player or a pitcher. But if you're getting rid of Cease, then that haul better address those starting pitching needs because – like I said, it becomes even greater at that point. Um, you know, we, we talked about TA. He starts the thing off by talking about, Oh my, you know, there, there are so many holes on this roster that need addressing. Well, here's what he did. He created another one in, in, in declining the TA option. Now the way he said it today is that the reason that TA option was declined was because there were so many holes. They needed that money in order to, to address all of those holes on the roster. But look, At the end of the day, now there's another one. You need to go out and find a shortstop, even if Colson Montgomery is coming down the track here at some point. So, um, you know, there's a lot going on in terms of what the White Sox need to do to just be a better team than they were last year. And and I'm talking about filling positions like we've been talking about for months now. Um, But if Dylan Cease is going to be the guy that allows you to fill some of those holes, it better be in the starting rotation as well, because losing him would be quite the blow on that front.
3: Talking about TA there, Vinny, I want to know firstly, did he talk about the reports of maybe they tried to trade him before they declined the option and giving validity to that or not? And then also, seeing that they do have a hole there at shortstop, did he talk about possibly being in a reunion for Tim Anderson if there's not a better situation with a different shortstop?
2: He did not talk about any. Uh, whatever, I'm not quite sure even what reports you're referring to, but any talk of them trading him before that decision was made, they did, he did not speak on that. Um, But when it talks to, when it comes to the reunion, yeah, I think he both uh, with Tim Anderson and Liam Hendricks, they, he talked about that. If the situation presents itself later in the off season, if it works out on both sides, obviously they didn't want to commit that much money to those two guys this season. Um, So it would have to be something, that would, you know, uh, uh, address that concern. Um, but I asked about Liam Hendricks specifically, you know, Hey, I brought up the whole thing we've been talking about. Is it, is it, is there interest? Is there aggressive interest in having him around and then using him to benefit your team for 2025? And he said, it's not something they're going to go out and do, but if it ha if it, if it happens, then they would welcome both of those guys coming back.
1: Uh, the report that Herb was referring to was, uh, Bob Nightingale, Uh, In his, you know, I mean, it probably takes you 25 minutes to read his notebook. Uh, The White Sox desperately tried to trade shortstop Tim Anderson, but couldn't find any takers before declining his $14 million option. Several teams believe he's best suited to play second base. So that was the report that Herb was, I think, referring to uh, with uh, T.A. and the Sox trying to, quote, desperately trade him. Uh, I, I, I mean i don't think that the ta reunion is likely uh, i i feel I don't like we either. can obviously yeah i mean her i don't have any feelings
3: no nah, i don't think it is right, you cut them cool. for a reason you cut them for I, a reason yeah.
1: and it seemed like they want to use that 14 million dollars like on other like they, they have a lot of holes it seems like they want to use that 14 million very precisely to improve the defense. Tim Anderson doesn't provide great defense. I mean that that seems like a pretty good separator. I mean even with the Aloy trade, um I don't know if he gave more framework to what that might look like, but if you're talking about players who can contribute defensively, we have seen that Aloy Jimenez has struggled throughout his career to contribute defensively. Uh did you get more insight to what Chris Gets thinks of Aloy Jimenez? Does he not like Aloy Jimenez? He doesn't like the team. Does he like Aloy Jimenez?
2: Uh, He likes all of these players, I think, individually. You know what I mean? I I don't think he's... Certainly, he's not going to come out and say, this guy's gone. I (laughs) I don't want him on the team. But I guess my point is that you know the point that he was making was, hey, look, that is obviously a very talented baseball player. And you can look over there and point to a very talented baseball player. But the combination thereof has not worked for the White Sox. And I think, in Chris's opinion, probably doesn't have a very high chance of working in the future either. So, listen, we're talking about a guy who wants to remake this team and 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 you brought up a great example of of Tahao, which is improving defensively and we can very much extrapolate by saying that guy's not good at defense he's probably doesn't have a a future here or I shouldn't even go that far but just saying that that's an area that they would like to improve right so um a very uh, interesting thing here that I'll drop on you right now at the 30-minute mark of our program here today. I asked about, because we'll get into this more tomorrow when we dig through the, dig through the sound, I'm sure, but uh, I asked him about what you guys, the fans, are always asking me about. Would they move Yohan Moncada to second base? Yohan Moncada is not going to be moved to second base. Uh, But Chris gets talking an awful lot about uh, kind of unprompted about how Yuan Munkata has this amazing versatility and we might see him at second some days and at first some days and in the outfield some days. And, And I, we were all, we all kind of did that. We were like, Oh really? But I don't think that's necessarily a plan. It's, I shouldn't even say necessarily. That is not a plan of what the White Sox are trying to do, but they think that they've got a guy who is a very athletic player and a good defender. And should the, should it, help them out on any given day perhaps they would explore his versatility a little bit more but but i would like to before panic sets in here sean (laughs) which apparently i'm too late already um the question i asked was would he would you move him to second base if you had an opportunity to add a good third baseman and he basically said he's so good at third base we want to keep him at third base but then went into that big versatility thing so i thought i'd bring that up too because that was it was interesting at the very least
3: and I know we're going to get to the rest of the coaches later, but I was found it interesting that uh, Mike Tozar is now assistant hitting coach from what field coordinator last yes. year. That's weird. And the great Marcus Thames is back. The Marcus, the river Thames. I, uh, it's good to have the AL Central well represented here with the coaches. Did you speak about why Mike Tozar went from the field coordinator to now the assistant co- hitting coach?
2: Yeah, so uh, Mike Tozar was doing some hitting coaching of some, you know, lowercase, maybe he didn't have the title, obviously, but he was coaching from a hitting perspective at times last year. And so uh, Chris said today that they had a priority to more clearly define what his role was on that front. Uh, And so in ushering out the guys who were titled the hitting coach and assistant hitting coach uh, last year in Jose Castro and uh, Chris Johnson. They've brought in Marcus Timms to be obviously the main hitting coach, but Mike Tozar gets a rebrand and he will be the actual assistant hitting coach, which perhaps um, just streamlines the communication a little bit more on that front.
3: Um, I am flabbergasted you, by that I mean, of thing. I, I mean, say you got broken right there. Sean.
1: I don't. I don't. I never understood the idea of moving him back to second base because I think you need to be a little bit more athletic and a little bit more uh, nimble to play those positions. First base is what happens when you are like truly. I mean, just immobile and you've lost pretty much all of your athleticism. They're chained to that twenty-four million dollar contract, but then they even. I mean, even the idea of putting him in the corner outfield. I don't understand it at all uh I mean hey more power to him I I don't think he's on the team for 2025 so I mean run him into the ground I guess put him in left field and see what happens or right field I don't know um this also
2: again again I'll, I'll, I'll dull crazy. it a little bit here I just wanted to you know I, I think what comes to mind is they didn't set out and say Yasmani Grandal is our first baseman right they didn't, but he played there every once in a while. And I, I see a similar situation here where they're not going to, I mean, Johan Moncada is their third baseman, but on a day maybe when if they've got, if it's going to work out, again, I'm not really even sure how that would present itself. He's a fantastically defensive third baseman. I don't know who, why you would want somebody else over there, but uh, that is what Chris gets said. So who knows, maybe they go out and get Matt Chapman or something and they don't need Moncada to play third anymore. I have no idea, Sean. I'm just throwing possibilities out there. I suppose you... remember the multiverse. Remember the baseball multiverse.
1: Have you remembered the, the great film uh, money ball where they go to that man's house and say, it's extremely hard to play first base. He's just
2: going to pick it up. He's just going to start playing first base. I mean, and that was, and that was one of the guardians of the galaxy. So you would like to think that he could do anything. That's true. Um, I mean, I, I, he
1: was, it was very surprising that they moved him over to third base. And then everyone was like, Oh, well in Cuba, he was a gold glove third baseman. So, Hey, I mean, maybe Yon Mancada, somewhere in some life in some multiverse is, you know, the Raphael Palmeiro of, of defensive first baseman. Um, maybe he's the Andrew Benatendi, uh, that the, that, that the White Sox actually need. Um, there's two players that haven't been brought up that I think we need to jump into. Uh, and then we'll we'll take another break and uh, we'll wrap things up with Vinny. Uh, first off, Andrew Vaughn. I mean, if we're talking about defense, he wasn't stellar at first base. It's been about 35 minutes and we we haven't talked about the first baseman. Uh, what insight did Getz give to Vaughn, if any?
2: Uh, basically just that, you know, they want him to work and, and, and kind of unlock that. Offense potential that they've always seen in him. I think he Chris described him as a potential middle of the order bat. Obviously, that's what he was projected to be, and I think that that's kind of still the hope. Um, you know, you got some new coaches in there, particularly on the hitting side, and maybe there's a few uh, a few uh, pearls of wisdom that Marcus Timms might be able to uh, bring along uh, that that might benefit Andrew Vaughn. You know, certainly some of the other guys as well. But um, yeah, I think that they are full steam ahead on the Andrew Vaughn train, but obviously they want to see a little bit more than he has shown in the last couple of years.
3: And so we got to be stuck for four more years and Andrew Benintendi. Did he ever speak about what Andrew Andrew Benintendi will be next year? Like we're talking about defense. And while I said he plays on all right defense, if you're just looking at a game, but if you look at the metrics, he is a really bad left fielder. And so, talking about what Chris said in the clip that we played at the beginning of the show, like what are they going to do about Andy Benny Tendi? I know they just brought a Grady Sizemore to be the outfield coach, but right now it's just. Jason Bourgeois Bourgeois
2: is going to is, has been hired as the outfield coach. So that, that will be his, uh, his job, not Grady Sizemore. So there's that. On the Benintendi front, I asked him about him and, and kind of what the expectations would be. And I think the expectations are that they hope that they hope he gets back to being the guy that he's been in the past. Um, you know, there's that's not breaking news. I think Andrew Benintendi feels the same way. Uh, you know, this is a guy who um, obviously had the health issues last year that, that Pedro Graffold described to me at the end of the season, and it seemed like it really just derailed everything for him. Uh, Chris gets brought up something that Benintendi brought up to me as early as the middle of the last season which is getting stronger and he wants to be stronger not just to do the thing that Sean is always mad about and and hit the ball in the air a little bit more but to to help him on the defensive front as well that's what Chris brought up today so um I think you know the offseason is an important one for Andrew Benintendi uh because it seems like it can really define the course of his entire next season if he is able to prepare the way that he wants to prepare his body
1: is
3: I know i fully healthy. do we know?
2: So, I mean, supposedly, supposedly it, it got there at the end of last season, but it was, it was much, much too late.
1: <laughs> you really do feel right when you're playing the Oakland A's when they show up into town. I mean, Hey, it uh, does stuff all those cobwebs and you start feeling like you're 21 again. Um, Let's talk about Michael Kopech. Was there, I mean, we talk about the lack of pitching. We talk about if you're trading Dylan Cease, that creates another huge hole because you don't have a ton of starting pitching right now. Uh, if, if if he did talk about Kopech in what light, was it talking about he is a starting pitcher or was there hemming and hawing about versatility? Can he play first base?
2: <laughs> uh, I don't know if there was hemming and hawing. Versatility was mentioned. Um, but I, I think that uh, the plan at the moment is what it was when we talked about it at the end of the season. This is a guy who's supposed to be in the White Sox starting rotation, and they hope that an offseason of working with Brian Bannister, who he's got the previous relationship with from Boston, um, can kind of get everything solved or at least pointed in a much better direction. We'll see if that's the case, though. And I think what Pedro Grifol had to say at the end of the year is probably the mindset, which is, hey, he is a starting pitcher. Make him a starting pitcher. We hope with all of our being do the White Sox that, he can be the starting pitcher we always envisioned him to be. And if we get to the end of that process and he can't crack the rotation, well, hey, remember when he was in the bullpen a couple years ago? That worked out pretty well. So, he, hey, he can do that too. So, again, I don't think that that is a plan where they're going into the season with a plan of not knowing. But the, the plan is undoubtedly make him the best starting pitcher he can be. But if the best starting pitcher he can be is not good enough, they still have a way, at least in their, at least in their description um, of maybe being able to utilize him in a different role. But I don't think that's something that anybody is planning on. Anybody with the White Sox is planning on going into the 2024 season.
1: Yeah. I mean, we saw with the giants that they used so many different pitchers that they really didn't stick to the typical starter reliever role. So I I do wonder if they're going to use that versatility to get innings from Kopech, whether that be in a starting role or reliever role. Herb, you're going to take us into the second ad break. You did such a great job with the first one. You're going to kill it on the second one. Uh, and then we're going to come back. Uh, we got a question from Drake Foss in the comments, and then we'll, uh, we'll tie up any spare parts, loose ends. Maybe uh, Vinny will tell us that, uh, you know, I mean, pick any player. Who's 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 playing second base? I mean, maybe you know, Corey Rodriguez. Lee. I, I didn't have one. At, it wasn't that funny because I didn't have a name ready. Go Herb.
3: CHCO is sponsored or supported by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer company since 1988. Their beer roster includes Oktoberfest, Beer Hug Family, 312 Weed Ale, and what I'm holding right now, the Full Pocket Pills, the everyday beer for the brewers and myself. That's what they're drinking. What's your favorite beer right now, Sean? What are you drinking?
1: I, I love muting my mic during your ad reads. Uh, I love that 312. It's You really get that lemony
3: uh, lemony hint. Awesome. I like it too. I have some in my refrigerator right now. The event we have coming up on Thursday, sponsored by Goose Island, is our last scheduled CHGO Bears tailgate. It's Thursday, November 9th versus the Panthers. Go out and get you some free Goose Island if you pay for the ta- uh, the tailgate ticket. And our diehards, CHGO diehards, get 20% off that tailgate ticket. So go there to allchgo.com and inquire about being a coming to diehard and so you can get 20% off that uh, event, and also 20% off of future merch and a free t-shirt. So grab an ultra-fresh brewery exclusive beer at Goose Island's original brew house on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park, or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer.
1: Also want to let you know about our friends over at Empire Today. With Empire Today, you get shop at home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a low guarantee price. And why not even throw in uh, that Empire name that you know and love? You know the uh, phone number 588-2300 Empire today. You know Lynn Haldron. They are the best place to get new flooring. So of course they have copycats, but those copycats can't beat the quality, service, and speed of Empire. And Empire keeps shopping for floors simple with a curated product selection. Their philosophy is to help you find what you need not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes you're not an expert in flooring they are what they leave out of their selection is just as important as what they put in and their product team exhaustly combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles and their virtual floor designer is a great way to see how new floors will look in any space it's just easy snap a picture and instantly see how new floors will look in your room so schedule a free home in Uh, schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive $350 off when they use promo code CHGO. Restrictions apply. See empiretoday.com slash CHGO for details. Again, all listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use promo code CHGO. See uh, empiretoday.com slash CHGO for details also want to let you know of our friends over at foco we're not in the studio so we don't have all of our bobbleheads we don't take them home uh herb would you rather take the the ta one home or the south one home the ta one home okay the the southpaw one again it's it's in arizona it's a spring training one it's why we think vinny might be southpaw he is i mean i guess he's proven that he's not but i mean did you see Southpaw at the gm meetings is he with chris getz Okay. No, you didn't, you didn't bring the suit. It must have been tough to check that in a bag. It must have been very weird to be like, "Hey, here's my here's my green costume." But, uh, anyways, go check out Foco. Get fitted in the best sports gear around. They got hoodie, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. They uh, again mentioned the set decorations. Uh, a lot of awesome pieces. They're uh, some really truly. Uh, in-depth bobbleheads uh, with great detail, check out Foco.com, F-O-C-O.com, or click the link in the description below for all presale pre pre-sale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. That one got a little bit too witty, and I'm sorry for the uh, people who listen to us uh, on the podcast version. Uh, if you do, make sure you're hitting uh, the rating button. Hit the five-star button. Leave a little comment. Um, we really do like it, whether you're telling us we're being too witty in the ads, the ads are too long, Herbs should, sh- should stop swearing, Vinny needs to get replacement battery for his uh, drill, uh, a lot uh, of uh, reviews run that gamut, so we'd appreciate uh, the support there, hit the thumbs up button too, I think we got over like 90 people watching us, so hit the thumbs up button, uh, we got Vinny live in Arizona. I mean, he's doing uh, lovely, lovely work down there. Uh, so hit the thumbs up button on there. Uh, first, let's go to our friend Courtney in the chat uh, asking, do they have a bullpen coach yet? Uh, Stephen, feel free to flash the uh, picture again. Uh, Charlie Montoyo is the bench coach. Ethan Katz is the pitching coach. Assistant pitching coach will be Matt Wise, uh, which also is the bullpen coach, I believe hitting coach Marcus Thames, assistant hitting coach Mike Tozar, first base outfield coach Jason Bourgeois, third base infield coach Eddie Rodriguez, catching coach Drew Brutera, and major league coach Grady Sizemore that was announced today I don't think I left anybody off there either uh, oh I guess uh, yeah Marcus James got all the names so that's the new coaching staff for the 2024 White Sox and then Drake Foss has a question and we'll go to Vinny here uh saying were any questions asked to gets about possible changes to our farm system uh so uh, what is it going to look like I know obviously we heard from Paulie Finish uh, but I don't know if gets maybe elaborated
2: yeah, I don't know if I can come at you with a ton of specifics on that. He was asked the question and he said, yes, there will be changes. Um, you know, I think he's been very uh, clear from the time he was hired that he wants to do kind of a top to bottom remake of, of, of what's going on here. And yes, he was the guy that was in charge of the farm system, no doubt about it. But I think that the general manager certainly has more power um, than the farm director to to kind of uh, set forward those those. Principles and, and and that kind of thing. So again, it all kind of goes back to uh, establishing that identity. You've seen some personnel changes already. I would imagine uh, that that there will be, you know, more just because that's how the industry works. But certainly, you've got a new GM in there who, who and a new farm director who might want to see some newness uh, uh, throughout throughout the organization.
3: I don't know if he addressed, I'm sure he did, the catching situation because I mean, they don't have a real catcher that's played any significant amount of time in the major leagues with Corey Lee and Carlos Perez back there right now. But what do you have to say about going in 2024, what they're going to be looking for at the catcher position?
2: Yeah, kind of noncommittal on exactly what is going to happen there. And, and maybe it's because they don't know kind of themselves what sort of opportunities will present themselves he did say that Corey Lee impressed them at the end of last year with what he was doing defensively working with the pitchers obviously the offensive numbers were what they were and he, he needs to improve there but um, they want to give him the opportunity to become a major league catcher now a major league catcher does not necessarily mean a number one major league catcher nor does it necessarily mean a number two so um, I think anything is probably possible on that front um, Corey Lee is going to be part of that mix Uh, As for where on that depth chart he will land, we'll see. Um, To me, it probably doesn't strike as their biggest need, even if it is a need, certainly. Just because they've got a guy there in Corey Lee who they would like to maybe even give a shot to, I don't think they have that at second base or right field.
0: We've
1: heard about a certain person in the division's leadership. We talked about maybe Chris Getz trying to make his mark within this new regime. Did the name Salvador Perez slip out of his mouth at all?
2: No, I okay. thought you were going to ask about Tony Larusa.
1: Oh, did did he bring up Tony Larusa? Well, he
2: he was asked about Tony Larusa, and oh. uh, Tony Larusa is advising this team. Uh, he did not know if it was official, if he's on the payroll. Those the distinctions that were made uh, last summer, if you'll remember correctly, he does not have that information but he knows that tony LaRusa has been providing advice uh, as an ad, in an advisory role of some fashion um he's very happy to have that resource available to him uh, is what he said um again when you're when you own a baseball team and your best friend has won three world series as a manager uh you can have your best friend come talk to your team i guess so uh, i know that's not what Sox fans want to hear but there you go he's 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 around as somebody who's providing some info uh whether uh, i do not think I, I got no sense i've gotten no sense i do not think under any circumstances he is like above chris gets on the organizational flow chart or anything like that um but he is being used as a resource to quote chris gets
1: cool uh herb's got a question about uh the coaching staff and their mlb experience but first again just about the Salvi perez thing drew brutera former teammate of Salvador perez now the catching coach would be nice to be caught by a guy, you know, maybe your buddy, maybe Sal Perez and Drew Butera, You know, maybe their kids hang out or something. I don't know, but you know, that'd be bring them to the South Side. It seems written in stone that Whit Merrifield and Sal Perez are, are coming. That's that's the biggest takeaway. Forty-eight minutes in, uh, Herb, do you want to ask about the coaching staff's MLB experience?
3: Yeah, it just seems like, and as you point out, Sean on Twitter, it's like they have replaced a lot of play, a lot of people, either coaching staff and front office people. With people who have played either in the minor leagues or major leagues, with most of these guys being have major league experience, was there any emphasis on that? Was he just looking for good people, and they happen to be major league uh, experienced players? Yeah,
2: talking about the coaching staff specifically, he was. It was brought up that all those guys had those that kind of experience. He said it's not a criteria. But, you know, that it's helpful. Why, why, why wouldn't it be if you're trying to relate to Major League Baseball players, uh, somebody who has played Major League Baseball that certainly does strike as a positive there when you're trying to build a relationship with guys, when you're trying to get them to buy into what you're talking about. Um, I think it's more notable for what's going on in the front office uh, from that standpoint. You know, these are guys who they're, they're being touted as having Major League experience. I think mo- a lot of coaches across the game played major league or minor league baseball it's not too crazy to me to see the major league experience on a coaching staff when you talk about the front office though i think that's where it's notable and i think you know as we've talked about in the past chris has drawn the distinction with himself that hey i'm a former major league player i have that as a part of my toolbox that is something that not many other folks that are here for the gm meetings might have um and and so i think when you're adding a bunch of front office guys to the top levels in that front office and it's Former major league or former major league or former major leaguer. To me, that strikes as a as a concerted effort to try and get that in there and to try to maybe distinguish the White Sox from other places in their ability to draw on that experience.
1: Yeah, I again, I, I think it's all about setting an example. I, I think that's what we're going to see with the free agent signings. That again, if if he's saying that they're going to be outside replacements, I would think that they're looking for something specific that this. Team doesn't have, and that does seem to be major league experience and maybe experience it's different from the White Sox organization. Because again, Tim Anderson might be a better athlete than Paul DeYoung. We think that Tim Anderson might have a higher ceiling, but Tim Anderson was a first-round draft pick from the Chicago White Sox. He has the White Sox stink all over him. Uh, so I, I don't know if Chris Getz wants to try to figure out if Romy Gonzalez can be it or if he's again trying to change. Uh, you know it, it top uh you know the the organization top to bottom i mean i remember just with uh Reinsdorf mentioning that he's never seen anyone run the minor leagues like chris gets maybe we'll never see uh, anyone run the major leagues like chris gets before I, I don't know if i'm buying into that a ton um but was there a, a big takeaway that we haven't jumped into yet it feels like we've hit every position of the diamond uh maybe outside of right field but it seems like again it will be an outside acquisition
2: yeah it doesn't sound like oscar colas will Uh, has really much expectation to start the season with the big league team at all. Um, You know, Chris went as far to say as it seems like his best fit is playing more minor league baseball right now. So um, I wouldn't expect Oscar Colas to be on the opening day roster. But if you're asking for a big takeaway to kind of sum it all up, change, right? I mean, we're talking about different this team trying to be very, very different from what it has been. Um, You know, I I think everybody saw Chris Getz get promoted to replace Rick Hahn and were like, that's just the next guy down. That's more of the same. How could this be any different? And Chris said he's got to work to prove that. It's what he's doing. And and whether it's going to end up working, I have no idea. But what he's doing is making change, bringing in new guys for the front office, bringing in new guys on the coaching staff getting rid of Tim Anderson the face of the franchise. Uh I mean, you know, this is um this is very different and we're hearing about him go coming out and saying, I don't like the way this team plays. I don't like the team. Um, you know, he he's he's basically saying the way that they've played the last few years, which was the result unintentionally perhaps, but the result of Rick Hahn's very lengthy rebuilding process it's not going to fly under the new guy, and or at least he hopes that it doesn't fly. Um, and so I think you're going to see moves this year that are or this winter that might not give you a ton of confidence that this team can compete for the AL Central in 2024, might not even be, you know, the front office might not even be confident in that at the end of the winter, we'll see. But you're going to see it bring in a lot of guys who, can, who are going to do things the way they want them to do them. And, uh, you know, I, I think for folks who have gotten sick of seeing all the mistakes fundamentally, Chris Getz is trying to fix that for you. You know, that, that seems to be at the top of his list, uh, you know, and, and, and whether that benefits them just moving forward in 24 and gives you a taste of the way that Chris Getz wants this team to play or he's really setting things up for 2025 and beyond to construct the exact team that he wants, we're going to find that out. Um, But the takeaway is that things are changing and things are going to be different. Um, Again, are they going to be better? That remains to be seen, but they will be different.
3: Just an aside, somebody reached out to me when I uh, initially found out about the Marcus Timms hiring and said, that's good hiring. That guy's going to be in people's asses immediately. So if you're not doing the things right, if you're not doing what he has set out for your point for for his plan for the offseason or in season. He's going to get into you and he's going to make sure you get things right. Now, he's been – this is his fourth organization in four years, so maybe his uh, act wears thin really quickly.
2: Well, I think that's the job too, Herb. I mean, we yeah. were talking about this a little bit earlier. I mean, you, you, not only is it – you can point to it as him, as that being the case for him, but the White Sox themselves are on their third hitting coach in three years. I mean, this is this is just kind of the job. Guys get blamed guys move around uh the hitting coach position is not strike me uh it just isn't the most stable one in baseball
1: not the most stable i agree with that um so i I don't really scoff too much at um you know he he being on his fourth team in four years kevin long has bounced around a, a, a decent amount it's like why would any team ever give up kenny uh kevin long you know they did um it's weird though that what Tim's brought to the Angels last year was an aggressive approach to swinging, uh, like attacking OO. I, the White Sox already do that. Uh, the, the Angels, I think, swung at 9.5% of OO pitches. The White Sox were second at 9%. So it's like the t- this team is already massively aggressive. But I guess it's the one addition to the coaching staff that doesn't make a ton of sense. does have major league experience. Um, but it, you just think of Marcus Tames. He's a big hulking dude it doesn't seem like this is going to be a build of big hulking dude this doesn't seem like we're going to get the Aloy Jimenez we're going to get the Luis Roberts we are going to try to get uh, again maybe the less flashy players that can be consistent and give you 162 and and show up and lace them up I, I don't know how that that really defines but I guess my biggest takeaway is um I made a list of teams I don't know if you guys can see this uh you can't uh The White Sox are in the middle. Isn't that fun? Uh, Over here are are teams that are spending money. Uh, The Cubs have spent money before. The Yankees are known for spending money. The Red Sox always are spending money and signing big free agents. The Braves have uh, amassed a ton of talent uh, and a payroll near $200 million. Same with the Astros and Dodgers. The White Sox have an owner. You can even throw the Mets in here, too. They just have never had success. Uh, The White Sox have an owner that I think can spend like these. But we're seeing more of a shift towards these teams, the teams that maybe, again, aren't as flashy, don't have the biggest payroll, can lose their uh, best manager in baseball to an in-division rival because they don't want to pay him $8 million. Uh, But teams like the Brewers, Marlins, Rays, A's, and D-backs, they're always the guys that are signing the Brian Andersons, right? They're looking for, um, you know, people, the Colin Rays, no one flashy, but guys that get the job done. I don't think the White Sox are going to be spending near 180 million dollars. I know that might be a point that I keep dragging on and maybe it's annoying to that point. Hey, uh, but it's it's baseball. It's it's how you build a team, and it seems like the White Sox are going to focus less on spending on big splashes, which they really have never done, um, but focus on the quality of player that they are bringing into the organization again i'm not trying to they could spend as much money as they want me sitting here in this little box is not going to change if they spend 180 million dollars or 120 million dollars it just again i think shows on what the the direction of this team is and it does again signal uh what you said Vinny, in change
2: yeah i mean i don't know I, i i think that the the listen we just saw a Texas Ranger team that spent a gajillion dollars win the World Series, and so I think everybody right now who thinks the way you do, Sean, is feeling very vindicated, and you're very welcome to feel that way. Um, what I kind of always say is that there's more more than one way to skin a cat, and I think that the best way is probably the best way for a lot of things in life, which is to to meet in the middle somewhere, right? And so, um, listen, they – Well, I, can they, I go something they, up? Well, I just want to say that the White Sox, the White Sox haven't had a farm system that has produced the kind of guys that would allow them to be the A's or the Rays or whatever, right? Nor have they ever spent the, the big time money on a big time free agent. Maybe if they do all of these things a little bit, you know, better. Maybe if they focus on a lot of this stuff, that is the way to true sustained success. Again, whatever. I'm just you can feel whatever you want to feel. My point just being that you people. If you if you're if you're judging the, a win or a loss in an off season or an offseason move or an offseason signing based solely on what the price tag is, you're not waiting to see what the outcome is. And so I'm not arguing against spending. If they want to go out and spend a gajillion dollars on Blake Snell, go right ahead. That fits their bill of setting themselves up for success down the road. That's fine. But I think Chris Getz is trying to do A lot of different things on a lot of different fronts that would improve them in areas where it's not just, oh, how much money did they spend? They didn't spend enough. That's it. They lose kind of thing.
1: Well, and again, the the teams that are over here, I mean, four of the teams, four of the five teams made the playoffs. So what I'm trying to say is, I guess the White Sox have been in the middle. It seems like, oh, we're going to spend near the, the top 10, but we're not actually going to be in the top 10. And we're not going to really focus on our on our uh, farm system, right? It, it seems like more of a shift to, hey, let's quit middling and let's try to be the best organization we can be. That That's all I'm trying to say. I, I don't care what the price tag is. I mean, teams spend less than the White Sox. Well, all do. The, no, but I mean, but I guess I'm trying, like, again, me complaining in this box is not going to change how much money they spend. I want them to be the best organization possible. So again, the teams that are over here are spending less money than $180 million. So it's, again, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. I'm not denying that. It seems like the White Sox have kind of, you know, been, oh, we'll be spenders. We'll not be spenders. We feel like we have a team that we can add to. We're going to add to it, right? It just seems like Chris gets main focus for 2024. Whether they spend 180 dollar, 180 million dollars, $180 million, $120 million, it seems like they're going to win anywhere from like, you know, 75 to 72 games regardless of the price tag it just seems about uh mostly about change about let's try to improve the quality of this organization uh it, it really does feel like chris gets tried to lay that out today that again it, it's it's about improving the quality of this team uh, I'm, I'm not trying to make it about the budget i'm trying to make it about chris gets his uh, motives here uh, you know that's the focus This is the brain we're trying to peer into for the next X years it could be 15 years we don't know 25. Job for life. It could be Bill Self. Uh, Any final points that we need to know about the sun is setting in Arizona. Uh, So uh, you're probably losing. I'm about to.
2: I'm about to slip into (laughs) darkness. So uh, I'll. We'll go ahead and save it for. uh, For a to use a Chris Getz term, a deep dive tomorrow.
1: Okay, sounds good. Yeah, we'll have more clips. Also, make sure you check out the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. We'll be uploading that entire uh, hour-long session between Chris Getz and the media, so you can uh, delve into it for yourself. And Vinny's going to be uh, uh, writing an article that you can check out at allchgo.com. Follow Vinny at Vinny Duber. He is live in Scottsdale, Arizona, and all of his tweets will be coming from Scottsdale, Arizona as well. So uh, you know you get some Arizona-themed tweets. Uh, so Vinny, uh, follow Vinny at Vinny Duber. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at wall Twenty Three at Herb. Uh, I don't want to cut you off you're not slipping into the darkness any any final thoughts
3: i mean i'm I'm always am um no No okay
1: i'm sean anderson you can follow me at sean underscore w underscore anderson you can follow the show at chgo underscore white socks thank you to everyone for hanging out with us in the chat make sure you hit the thumbs up button and thank you to steven nicholas for producing the show we will talk to you tomorrow with more chris gets analysis of what he had to say goodbye